Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live.
The strangest looking objects I ever saw from space With a dog inside that's got to ride into the USA To see our hound dog or American groundhog That Russian canine can't stand the pain Budniks and mudniks flying through the air Budniks and mudniks flying everywhere They're so ironic, are they atomic? Take one 
tip, you won't need any more. If you're small as a beetle, a big as a whale, atomic cocktail.
Ray Charles and Lightning Hopkins. And a guy like Jimmy Reed. Bo Dylan, Big Mabel. All I need it was a dream. A dream I had last night. A dream I went to the UN. And said the whole nation
touched in with my sight, I could clearly see the city of Hiroshima within my bomb sight. Then I clutched in and took the run, and I felt the bump of the airplane. I was greatly relieved because I knew the unit had gone from the airplane that we had successfully delivered. It meant so much to the Army Air Forces, American Science, and Industry. Nagasaki. The target was there 
pretty as a picture. I made the run, let the bomb go. That was my greatest thrill. Be careful how 
Like an atom bomb when he comes. 
is your principal criticism of the way that we have conducted our war in Korea? It's my opinion that uh, we should fight the war to win in Korea rather than try to settle it at the diplomatic table, which is impossible when you're dealing uh, with Russia. Well, Mr. Van Zandt, would you extend your will to win so far as to include the atomic bomb? Very definitely, Dr. Peterson. I've always been a firm believer that we should use the atomic bomb, not only on Korea, uh, but north of the Yalu River in Manchuria. I think that uh, there are several targets uh, in northern Korea uh, we could use. That is, we could destroy them with the atomic bomb. We could destroy them and contaminate them. I don't know how to put it in words. You better stop them scientists from 
them researching, cause they done gone too far. They got these boys flying faster than sound, and the whole world's in a war. Man, that atomic energy so scares me, cause if it will do what they claim. You better start thinking about saving your soul, or Sam Johnson ain't my name.
Adams here, in spite of hysteria, flourishes in Utah as well as Siberia. And whether you're a black, white, red, or brown, the question is this when you boil it down. To be or not to be, that's the question. The answer to it all ain't military datum like who gets there firstest with the mostest atoms. No, the people of the world must decide their fate. They gotta get together or disintegrate. I hold this truth to be self-evident that all men may be cremated equal. people cause the atoms don't care you can't fence me in i'm just like air i don't give a hoot about any politics or who got what into whichever fix all i want to do is sit around and have my nucleus bombarded by neutrons now the moral is this just as plain as day that old man adam is here to stay i'm gonna stick around and that's for true but ah my dearly beloved are you so listen, folks, here is my thesis. Peace in the world, or the world in pieces. Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Alucardo, Bikini.
Welcome back to our interview with the cult. In this segment, we talked with Ian Asbury and Billy Duffy about the cult's popularity. We'd done a whole world tour. We'd basically just come back from the United States. We'd, we came up from the States, did a quick tour of Italy where we'd suddenly got popular. I don't know why. And then we thought, right, let's not get carried away. Let's not fall into the cliche of British band first time in the States, get really impressed, go off and make a terrible album with an American producer trying to please... The American audiences, we thought, we'll go back to Britain, use the same producer as the Love Album, keep it very in the family. Don't get carried away by the success we'd achieved with Love. And unfortunately, it's the funny thing is we ended up using an American producer recording in downtown New York City in the midst of all that mayhem. We ended up at, um, doing it at Electric Ladyland, um, or Electric Lady Sound Studios, as it's now called in the modern days. Which is a really good functional studio. I mean, it was Hendrix's for a period of time, but it's not really. Re it doesn't really rest on its morals. It's a good working studio. It's really silly. We're in a studio, and there's a lot of all the Def Jam kids are obviously American kids, and all those lot all English. And we had this sort of like it was tongue in cheek. It was really fun arguing about who's the best, the Americans or the British in music. And I constantly hear these conversations of like American kids going like, "Who hey, you know like." Uh, Jimmy Page was good, but Eddie Van Halen is where it's at, you know. I mean, like, Led Zeppelin suck, man, and Van Halen was so cool. And that sort of thing, you go like, hey, you know, wait a minute. You know, because they don't, people always rise to sarcastic northern English humour, and they always think we're trying to be detrimental and digging at them and stuff like that. We're just having fun, you know. And it's kind of neat if you can look at yourself and make jokes about yourself as well. I think you've got a sense of humour to come.
I mean, a lot of things to do with the band, sleeve design, t-shirt design, um, the way we look, the way we appear, it gener it's generated within the band. Um, and we get people to, to come and we ask them to come and work for us because we think they're the right person to interpret our ideas, and in some cases better them. And that's what they, you know, that's their department. But we always usually give them a starting point. We think we want to do this. How could you do it? And maybe give us some feedback. Maybe you can make it better. And we do that with videos. The one thing about videos is funny. Is like it does make, uh, at least with us in video, all we try and do put across in a video is what we, what we're like at the time, and it shows the band performing normally. We. Which is all right, considering we've all like got all our limbs and can control our bodily functions. Like we don't look that bad. I mean, you know, that's an arguable point. But uh, at least you know what you see in concert is what you see on the video. It's the kind of thing, you know. It's, it's not like resurrection show. Yeah, but it's like an underground real low bootleg video that we did. When we start, we learned, I think we made all our mistakes in that one video right back in. 70, 70, 80, whenever it was. Yeah, whenever. Yeah, 1823. We made that, we just, ever since then we thought, like, okay, what do rock people do very badly? Act, I think. So we try and perform it. We try and make them interesting and vary them, but we always assume that there's a whole gamut of people out there who don't know anything about the cult. You know, we know we have fans, we we enjoy that, but we never take it for granted that we are superstars, ever. And we just try and always remember that the person who has no idea of what we're about, they see this image come on TV and we just want them to think, oh, I'll go and see that band the next time they come into town. They look as though they, they can perform live and be a bit more than an image that's on the TV for a month. Then there's the new image on TV. And it's it's nice. It's good, though. At least you can see what's going on. Not so long ago, actually, I was watching um, the AMTV, and they said to us, uh, some band came on from England who shall remain nameless, and he said, you know, a lot of people in America think you'll like that. And I said, what do you mean? He said, like, new music, you know, like, wearing makeup and funny clothes and, like, alternative and weird. And I was going, yeah, but we're not. We're, like, essentially a rock band. You know, we dress how we dress, but the music's always been pretty much rock. And it's getting more so. Um, and I, I was just a bit freaked out that people would perceive us in the, in the same vein as Band X. I mean, in Britain, it's not the case. Yeah. We're very much a rock band here, you know. And I just hope people in America listen to the music, listen to the new album. Don't be lumpers in with the whole new English scene of See, any we're not, sort. We're not in that way because I think, although we we're part of the punk scene, I mean, me to a lesser degree than Billy. Well, we've always been interested in rock music, and that's all we've really, really cared about. That's all we really care about. So, like we say, we're not like an alternative English band. We never have been. We never will be. We never want to be. And we're not a bunch of nostalgia freaks or anything like that. We just dig rock music, and we want to play rock music. You know? And I think we're much more capable than have a lot of bands around at the moment. It's definitely time that people go out and get the record, because I think it's going to give them what they need. <laughs>
always like mucked around with covers and stuff, but we never actually recorded one. And uh, we've filmed around in rehearsals and stuff with like about 10 or 12, you know, um, covers, covers strong songs. And uh, we were doing Born to be Wild, because it's one of the only ones we knew anyway. You know, we don't really know how to play uh, that many of other people's songs. We don't sit at home going like, how does this song on Led Zeppelin 4 go, you know? We don't like try and work things out all the time. We could all play Born, Born to be Wild. I mean, I knew half the words. We just started doing it. It sounded brilliant. Played it to Rick. Rick says, cool. Incredible. Record it. So we did. And that was it. And that's it. Done, you know. We just thought we could do it justice. You know, it's an old classic. We just thought we could breathe a little bit of life into it. I like it. It Just every time I hear the song. I think it... It, 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 yeah, it sounds... It sounds really us as well. It's, it's weird, you know. There's some of them songs that are just custom built for another band to do. You know, somebody else has written them. Lots of thanks, Mr. Mars Bonfire, for teeing that one up for yeah, us rather nicely. Hopefully, we'll bump into them sometime. You know, if my heart to. But, um, you know, we we didn't want to sort of like do. It wasn't so sort of like a blatant thing to do. We didn't want to just like record like a classic rock song just to say like, okay, everyone's perceived as like an alternative English band. Now here's our like rock statement. So we're going to do Born to Be Wild to say we're now a rock band. And then next year we're going to do like a Howard Jones cover because we want to go wimpy pop. Okay. That sort of thing. It was just like a damn good song, and we just wanted to do it. You know, it just fitted. It was just right at the time. Yeah, it fits with the album. And we're not putting it out as like the big deal on the album. I mean, it's just there. It's on the record. If anything. We were, we were going to do a ten-track album and sort of leave leave Born to Be Wild off it, you know, and just have our own songs in it. But it was so good, and it sounded so much like us. We just had to put it on the record. <laughs>
That's Born to be Wild from Sire recording artist The Cult. We'll be back with more after these messages. As our interview with the cult continues, Ian Astbury talks about the band's outlaw reputation. I just got this sort of image of like the classic rebel, right? And I, you know, I just decided to smash it all together in one song. I mean, basically, I took Jimi Hendrix, shoved him into James Dean and Marlon Brando, and wrote a song about it. You know, it's just like kind of like Jimmy Dean, uh, J- Jimi Hendrix takes over the sort of the uh, walking into town with a shotgun type vibe, and blows everybody away. There's a lot of things you can read into that as well. A lot of things about like him being a black guy, and everyone says you can't play this black rocking guy. You know, it's just you can't do it. You know, so this white hetero society, you just can't have black people doing this sort of music. And uh, he just came along and blew everybody away. And it was that, that was it. You know, it wasn't so sort of like saying, "Hey, the cult relates to outlaws, man." You know, it was like I just seen this thing and I thought it was kind of wild. The cult again go reported. <laughs> you know what I mean? It isn't like. Uh... We have to. We have yeah, to. the biggest outlaw band in the world. God, we're so wild. You know, you know we have to constantly sort of um, explain ourselves to people because we're dealing with a, a vulnerable situation at the moment. We are on a razor's edge because if people don't get what we're about now, then uh, they're going to perceive us as that sort of horrible, disgusting. I hate it. English alternative scene, and we're not. <laughs>
know, it ain't, we're not really about hit pop hit singles. It's not really what the band's big deal is. They're like, we put singles out, let people know an album's on the way. It isn't like, I would hate to think the colour is only as good as their last hit. Um, we're about albums, we're about gigs primarily. That's really the thing when we formed. Life was, let's get the group together and go on tour. And it was, you basically gauged That's your success on how many people came to see us at a gig. Really, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, you've got to, I mean, American viewers got to understand that in England it's a lot different because I think a lot of American kids first hear of bands and that when they hit a stadium or they have, you know, like have one successful album, it's like stadiums. In Britain, we don't have any stadiums really, you know. And the bands that do play the stadiums have been around for years and years and years. Um, it's a very, very small gig circuit and you do judge your success by how many people come to your shows. I mean, like in Britain, it's a big deal if you're getting 150 people at a gig and getting a review. You know, a lot of people, I guess a lot of people in the States think that because they're in the British press and they get a review, it means they're happening. Most of the case is wrong. Because most of the cases are sort of like, you know, Albert Higginbottom and his dog in a bar and sort of like wherever, you know, and there's a little band playing away the there and the journalist walks in, writes a review, then goes home, it's stuck in the paper, and everyone goes like, oh yes, the, um, the Budgery Girls, the latest band from Britain. You know. that's, that's the thing, you so see, the difference between Britain, Britain. I think the, the music papers have a lot more influence on the public, they certainly try and suggest what might be the new big thing. Um, it seems to me, having having toured America and spent some time there, in America you get to hear things on the radio more. The papers don't really matter so much. They're more reportive. In Britain they try and set trends. In America it's like the battle is, is to get your records played on the radio. And I think in the end that's the best way because, you know, at least you're hearing, you can hear it, you've got your own ears, you know, you know. So you see yourself as entertainers? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I think we just think, I mean, I don't know, I I think we have a certain responsibility to, to entertain. It's in, obviously on record, but in terms of live concert appearances, I think people pay good money to be entertained, and we try our best to give them the best we've got every night. We don't go through the motions of it. Okay. Tell us about uh, Memphis Hip Swing. Um, Memphis Hip Swing, it's just like, it's just kind of like a, a rock and roll feel. It's, it's more talking about the, the feel of the, of the thing. Like Memphis, it just like harps back to sort of a, you know, the Delta and that part of the country where the whole thing came from, the whole rock thing came from. Just like, you know, Memphis hip swings like basically Elvis's move, you know. It's like a groove. I mean, the song's like a grindy groove type you song. You know, it pays, it pays homage to Elvis and it pays homage to uh, sort of the roots of the music.
conversation with Sire recording artist The Cult, featuring some music from their latest album, Electric. This program is copyrighted 1987 by Warner Brothers Records, and no portion of it may be copied, reproduced, or transcribed without written consent from Warner Brothers Records. I'm Mark Rowe. Thanks for listening.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.